and we are live. That's live for us anyways, and you're locked in to the Kansas City Social Hour, and I'm your humble host, Ruben Ortiz. Let's get it on. What's up, Kansas City? We about to do this shit. little bit different type of jam than we're used to having on the podcast and i'll explain why here in a bit here are the lyrics cease to resist come on say you love me give up your world come on be with me i'm your kind i'm your kind and i see come on come on oh i love you pretty girl my life is yours and you can have my world I'm your kind, I'm your kind, and I see. (laughs) Well, that, we open up today's episode with the Beach Boys. That was the Beach Boys. And this is a strange jam. Recently, I got into the book from Tom O'Neill on Charles Manson. book is called Chaos. Charles Manson linked to some Hollywood murders back in 1969, most recently chronicled in the part fiction, part reality, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood movie. Great movie, if you haven't seen it. It's a great movie. But before I get into that, let me just speak a little on COVID-19 for a bit. So we have the Beach Boys with a song that they recorded, that they took from Charles Manson. I'll get back to that here in a minute. COVID-19. Shout out to super fan Michael Mannering out there. What up, dog? I'm going to go through his letter right now because it's a good one. I'm going to read it. Hey, Reuven, I was listening to the last Matrix, and I wanted to drop you a line. It's been a while since I've commented. First of all, I'm glad you and the family are doing well. Listening to some of the early warnings slash Matrix. So he's listening to the Matrix episodes of the Casey Social. I thought you might have been overreacting a little bit. And like many, I had my head in the sand somewhat, thinking this was a flu strain that would be no worse than H1N1 or swine or bird flu with limited but expected mortality rates slightly higher than regular seasonal flu strains. I think a lot of people thought that way. And this is this is me speaking right now. And I'll get back to the letter. But yeah, pretty standard belief, you know, and that, uh, hey, I can't fault you for feeling that way. So Mannering continues, as a sci-fi fan, I had read or watched plenty of virus pandemic scenarios and should have taken it more seriously from the onset, but hate to live my life in fear. Again, can't hate you for that. I am blessed to be classified as an essential worker. 
you know, and this is me digressing again from the letter a little bit. Yeah, God bless all the essential workers out there. My man is in pest control. I have other buddies that are plumbers. Uh, I have a brother-in-law who's in the grocery industry. And uh, I think and I hope that people have a new appreciation for all those folks. And he, and back to the letter, um, I continue to keep working unlike so many others. Roaches, rats, mice, and other spreaders of pathogens and viruses are still a battle that cannot be neglected. As a small business owner that is out on the front lines in businesses and homes, I'm taking all the precautions I can to protect myself, but my main concern is not to spread COVID to all the places I still maintain. And God bless you for that, man. I found it difficult to obtain some of the needed supplies to keep the public safe, but have managed to do so. And I know others in my situation, plumbers, HVAC, repair persons are in the same shape. Shout out again. This is me speaking to all those people, the plumbers, the HVAC people, all the repair people. They're hard at work through all this shit, man. And they don't want to be spreading this shit either. You know, and they're in a culture. Let's just be real, man. They're in a culture that uh, probably some of a lot of these uh, business owners that, that, that are sending a lot of these people out think that this shit is still a hoax. You know what I mean? Because we haven't been seeing the numbers and maybe we haven't been seeing the numbers because people have been following the protocols and this shit hasn't spread from some of the bigger cities to more of our more rural areas. You know, it's hit the Midwest. It makes sense to me that it would start on the coast, slowly work its way down to the middle and then down south. But hey, you know, a lot of people don't think this is some real shit. So they're sending out their workers without the proper equipment or, or without worry. You know, these are all the people that are having to go into homes and do all this kind of shit, man. And I pray for those people, and I hope that they're doing the best that they can. Again, back to the letter. So many avenues of securing supplies have been depleted or have been reserved for medical and first responders, which I fully understand, but frontline workers need access to the supplies to stop the spread before it gets to those selfless heroes who take care of us, to these selfless heroes who take care of us. And I agree with that wholeheartedly, my man. I love seeing many of my customers making masks, organizing donations to give to those in need of food and protection. This will be going on for a while, for some I know, and I fear and I know the fear of how deep of, of how to keep your livelihood going. My numbers are down, but I am not shut down. Those small businesses that are closed or scraping by are the ones that I fear, feel for the most. I'm eating at local shops exclusively. No chains, no corporate establishments. I do feel for the employees of those establishments that are struggling, but most of those companies will survive and bring their people back. So he's, you know, wanting to reiterate the local aspect of these things to keep some of these mom and pop organizations going. Um. If they shut their doors and lose their employees, they may not be back or lose their livelihoods and dreams. I have been trying to spread my money around to local breweries near me. Tap rooms are closed, but most are filling growlers and canning. And this is something I haven't talked about enough, and I think I'm going to get back into it. Um, I'm speaking with uh, Nick Mader here soon. I, I, I reached out to him. I know, shout out to John Poteet who runs a barbecue rub 
and barbecue food catering business. And he's been helping a lot of different organizations and small businesses and getting food out to people. So we're going to start telling those stories. I just, you know, we play this thing by ear and I'm glad that people reach out and let me know about, I, I'm fully aware of the local aspect of this thing, but it's just, you know, I guess I had my head in the sand a little bit, you know, I'm focusing on, you know, the average person, but these small businesses, and I've mentioned it before, the backbone of our society and we're going to get back to telling some of their stories for sure. And we're starting here with this awesome letter that Michael Mannering has written. And let me get back to this. Um, I hope you will remind the listeners to support all these locals. It was said a lot on the onset of the shutdown, but needs to be reiterated again and again. Not everyone can work from home or have benefits, paid leave, insurance, or help from an employer to get through these through through these hard times. I applaud you for supporting and mentioning the artists in the last episode. You know, and that was where I was talking about some of the local artists that are doing all kinds of cool shit. And so Michael's trying to say, hey, man, there's a lot of these small businesses and restaurants and breweries that need our help right now. It's been great to see so many people walking with their families and pulling together, keeping our community strong and actually getting to know some of their neighbors. I recently bought a used Harley and spent as much time on it as social dist- as a social distancing machine to keep my head clear and pick up the tasty brews. Right on, my man. Right on. Uh, you have a great platform to help the community and remind them to shop local, stay informed, and let's all help one another get through this together. Cheers, my friend. I hope we can have a brew once this crisis has passed. Mike. Mannering, super fan, right on, my brother. And for sure, my dude, salute. I'm actually drinking right now. And to keep with the local theme, I have my Alma Mater. Alma Mater is an awesome brewery down on Southwest Boulevard, right next to the Boulevard Brewing Company. So you could hit two local brewers at once. And I am drinking their first anniversary Pilsner. Ah, pale yellow, sweet bread taste ah, with the mild hoppiness. It's got a beautiful foamy white head. Smells fantastic. It's as fresh as can be right now. Classic pills. Perfect spring brew after mowing the lawn. But I digress. My wish is that we get back some grit from this COVID-19 ordeal, some true American grit. Some of us have it from our lives, man. You know who you are. Those of you who have experienced true hardship, at the very least, some adversity, death, sickness, incarceration, poverty. Some folks have been raped, molested, abused, the addiction and torture physical pain. Those folks don't need a reminder of what it takes to be a survivor. For me, it feels like the old days going out to the store where it seemed like death was around the corner back in my Roswell, New Mexico, Vario days, that heightened sense of uncertainty in the air. I've said it before. 
I can do this quarantine shit all day. And I understand that people are hurting. One of my biggest realizations in life was coming to grips with the fact that as hard as I felt that life had been to me, it wasn't shit in comparison to what others and mankind as a whole have had to endure. That is perspective. You are as rich or as happy as you believe yourself to be, my friends. And that is some real shit. That is the only bit of fairness in this world. We all need each other, and at some point, a little help sometime. But ultimately, the biggest break you can give is to yourself. Do your best and let the consequences fall where they may. You're all right. You're good. I believe in you. Believe in yourself. Be proud of yourself. Give yourself a break, man. You've made it this far, right? You're a survivor. Be happy. Be proud. Dust yourself off from all of this shit. And let's get you and I back into this fucking game, bitch. And now back to Charles Manson. First of all, let me say that this is not your new conspiracy theory podcast, okay? This is the Matrix, man. And reality is much more stranger than fiction. All these things that I'm about to speak about in this episode are factual and you can easily research them on your own. In fact, I encourage you to do so and you can call me out on whatever you may think is bullshit. Write me a letter. Be like my man, Mannering. That said, the first bombshell of the night is that Charles Manson wrote that Beach Boy song at the beginning of this fucking podcast. And that's why this is the Matrix, bitch. That is because Dennis Wilson, best known for being the drummer on the Beach Boys, was friends with Manson. Now, at the time, Manson had a flock of hoes or women that he had convinced to join his depraved family of free-loving hippie flower children. Manson wanted to be a rock star, and the Beach Boys helped him record some songs. One of those songs is called Cease to Exit. In fact, you can type in Charles Manson on iTunes, and there's an entire album of the Madman's songs for you to peruse at your leisure. So look it up, Cease to Exit from Manson, and compare that to the fucking song at the beginning of this podcast. It's called Never Learn not to love compare exit compare cease to exit and never learn not to love from the beach boys and you will hear a striking similarity as the beach boys plagiarized and robbed the madman of his music the beach boys wanted to be more hip to the jive man and that is not even the heavy part take notes because you're going to want to look up All this shit for yourself. Like I said, that is not even the heavy shit. And by the way, we're just getting started here. We're going to be taking some wild turns as reality often does. But I'm positive I've heard that the Beach Beach Boys had had a connection with Manson before. But I saw Tom O'Neill, the author of this book. You can write it down. The book is called Chaos, Charles Manson and the Secret History of the 60s. And he was a guest on the Joe Rogan podcast. So he was on Joe Rogan's podcast and he spoke for over three hours. The book is also on Audible so you can listen to it instead of read it. It's 14 plus hours. So if you'd like, you could just listen to the podcast 
and it gives you a great taste of what the book is about. I have not finished the book. I'm still listening. And uh, I have heard the full podcast episode. I couldn't wait. I wanted to read the book first and then listen to the podcast, but I, I, I'm fucking, I'm weak, man. I just, I, I got to get my fix, you know? So I wanted to know what the fuck was going on. So I just listened to the podcast and it was good. It's good if you just want to listen to the podcast and that's still three hours of your fucking life if you want to spend it on that. Or you could just listen to what the fuck I'm going to say about it. So I'm going to be connecting a bunch of shit that I've been tripping out on recently. I've had a lot of time on my hands, okay? So I'm listening to this dude and I've read the quintessential book on the Manson murders. I read that back in the day. The book is called helter skelter that used to be the record of the manson murders okay and that's where most people frame what went on okay so you can look that up too i did that a long time ago it was like high school i was into stephen king dean r Koontz, and true crime these murders horrified and sparked my interest helter skelter was written by a guy named vincent bugliosi Vincent Bugliosi, who was the DA at the time of the Manson murders. Well, this new guy comes along. His name is Tom O'Neill, and he turns out that he was hired to write an article for a popular magazine uh, on Charles Manson. So Tom O'Neill, who had this book, Chaos, was asked to just write an article. He doesn't want to do it, you know, because, you know, all this shit has, like, been hashed and rehashed, it seems, but... No one's really been doing a deep dive into it. We just assumed that Bugliosi, who was brilliant in his book, just nailed it, right? He nailed what happened. So he initially goes into just writing an article for a few months and spends the next 20 years of his life going down the rabbit hole and investigating clue after clue. And he discovers a bunch of misconduct lies that changes the entire way that the Manson murders are viewed today. And one of the weirdest things in that book, bombshell number two, is the connection between Manson and mind control experiments. You can look this shit up, man. MK Ultra, Manson and the mind control experiments connection, the CIA. It's a crazy rabbit hole. A wonderful, beautiful LSD mind control experiment rabbit hole. Now, if you don't know, I mentioned this on a previous podcast because this is the connection, man. This is that matrix shit I'm talking about. That's why the podcast is called The Matrix because sometimes reality is so wild it feels like we're living in a fucking simulation. If this COVID 19 shit has not proven that to you, then I don't know what will. Now, I don't know, man, but. Recently, I was watching a documentary on the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski. It's called Ted Kaczynski, Unabomber, in his own words on Netflix. Ted Kaczynski, Unabomber, in his own words on Netflix. Now, the craziest thing about that documentary is at the very end, they mention these experiments that were done to him at Harvard. Mind control experiments. Very similar to the ones that they're talking about in the Manson Tom O'Neill book. The I hear the doctor, you could hear some of these tapes. Uh I had never heard any of this shit before. You know, I had be- briefly dabbled in the Manson shit, but I never had any interest in the Unabomber cuz I believed the mainstream narrative about it. And for the most part, you know, it's accurate, 
but I was blown away by the revelations in this document. Ted Kaczynski has always been made out by the media be this dirty old madman, which he was. He was a dirty old madman, but that's not all that he was. I hadn't heard that at age 16 he had entered a Harvard scholarship. The Unabomber at one time was considered a prodigy and a genius. The clips and the audio where he is undergoing this experimentation are very hard to listen to. And they're deep. This doctor that's interrogating Ted Kaczynski, a young Ted Kaczynski, an impressionable Ted Kaczynski, a prefrontal lobe development Ted Kaczynski, and who knows if they're giving him drugs, man. Because one of these things on these mind control experiments that's common theme is the link to LSD. Um, he's basically being bullied by this highly intelligent doctor. And this is the Netflix on, this is the documentary on Netflix. So you can look it up. In fact, you want to do a fact check up. If you want to do a, a thorough fact check on what I'm saying, look up Henry Murray and his links to the military, Ted Kaczynski and LSD. Henry Murray, military, Ted K and LSD, bitch. Manson was also have said to control his so-called family with LSD. And where did he learn that? Manson also strangely linked to government-funded mind control experiments and LSD. Again, read the book Chaos by Tom O'Neill and listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. And let me know what you think. Hate and Ashbury. Some of that shit was said to have go down in a clinic in that area how cool is it man hate nashbury san francisco shout out to Corey hockler for letting me tag along in san francisco just before all this shit went down but i love i would love to go back cookies on hate awesome dispensary down there check those guys out and they have their clothing store just up the street shout out to burner and cookies on hate so the next strange door that I'm going to open is uh, another kind of bizarre event that the media portrayed in a strange light. So, you know, with Manson, the take was that here's this psychopathic dude who, like, used mind control to get these people to murder for him. And they were all psycho. But you don't hear about in the news reports about the CIA and the drug experiments and all that shit and the connections there with Ted Kaczynski, it was like this lone psychopath, which he, which he is right. And you don't hear the connection though, to him being like this genius, you know, going to Harvard and being subject to these experiments that are also linked to the CIA and LSD, a fucking wild shit, man. So I, Watch this documentary on Netflix, Waco. Now, uh, this this would be an awesome series even if it was all fiction. The wild shit is that it's all true. And this is a badass series. I highly recommend it. At first, I was a little apprehensive because when I started watches, watching the footage as a kid, you know, I thought I knew everything there was to know about it. Here's this dude. You know, very similar to the mansion shit, convinces these people that he's some kind of messiah and then they all kill themselves. Well, 
you know, for the most part, he he was convincing a lot of people that he was a messiah, but they didn't. I don't believe they killed themselves, you know. And there were it was over fifty days that they were on a standoff with the government, and so uh, it's great acting, great cinematography. You got to watch the Waco series on Netflix; it's incredible. I compared the footage from the actual raid to the movie. And it is very accurate. Now, brilliant shit about this is the movie connects two events that I think a lot of Americans don't do initially. And this is a little bit of a spoiler alert, but not too bad. I'm just letting you know that a couple of spoilers. But, I mean, it's the fucking Waco Branch Davidian compound shit. So if you don't know about that by now, like, fuck, man, I don't know what the fuck to tell you. This shit's well documented, right? And most people know a lot about what happened there is uh so the movie starts off with some shit that went down at ruby ridge now a lot of right-wing militants use ruby say that three times fast ruby ridge as a call to arms it's a fucked up situation where the atf and the fbi kind of blew this whole thing and it is interesting because a lot of militia groups tie these two events together And that's why it's so brilliant that they did it in this movie, because the two events are linked, are believed to be linked by a lot of folks. And from what I understand is this series was taken from two books, one from an FBI negotiator. So it's written from the FBI perspective and then also one of their survivors that was in the compound. And that's great because you need both takes, right? The Ruby Ridge incident is notorious for right-wing militia groups. They cite that as a watermark event. They also cite Waco as a watermark event. Even as recently as the Tiger King series on Netflix, that crazy fucker, the Tiger King, uh, cites that it would be another Waco if they went after him, right? So a lot of people connect these events, you know. A lot of people that are in this right-wing, ultra-libertarian view of the world. And I'm not here to debate whether that's right or wrong. It's just fucking, it is what it is. So watch this show. It is fucking brilliant. I, there is a federal building here in Kansas City that has a memorial in the front of it. It is the bowling federal building and in front of the bowling one of the entrances of the bowling federal building is a statue called flight and it's in memory of the children and teachers who died in the oklahoma city bombing so waco the standoff happened in 1993 and here is the final bombshell drop that ah, that's a bad choice of word uh final wild bit of information is that Timothy McVeigh was photographed at the Branch Davidian compound in Waco in 1993. Timothy McVeigh, who would later blow up an Oklahoma federal building, was inspired by the events at Waco, was angered by them, I should say. He was. Uh, he felt that the ATF and the FBI had overreached, and 
as a form of revenge, he blew up a federal building and killed a lot of people. And just recently, you know, it's April 19th, you know, was the 25th anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing. And that is wild. How violence begets violence. So it starts off with Ruby Ridge. It goes on to Waco and then is continued through Timothy McVeigh. And Timothy McVeigh was executed. All terrible. None of these things are justifiable. It's just interesting to note how violence begets violence. And that is all I have for you motherfuckers today. I will say this one last thing. It looks like this quarantine shit is going to be over soon because I think the general public's attitude towards this whole thing is it's ran its course. People are frustrated. People want to get out. I get it. I mean, I kind of get it. I don't. I think it's too soon and we may even do this lockup, get back in and listen, do you want to be the guinea pig in that experiment? I don't fucking know, man. I know I don't. So stay safe. God bless. And with that, let your friends know. Tell me what you think, what your thoughts are. Shout out to everybody. Uh, God bless you guys. And I will catch you on the motherfucking flip side. I'm out.